Hello and welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piskor. Before we begin today's look at Paul Pope's Escapo, I want to remind everybody that we do have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon with three different levels. And at the top level, the King Kayfabe level, you will get access to every one of our videos first because you will sit in on the recording session. And this will give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect, which is sometimes we look at rare books, expensive books, hard to find books. You'll be the first one tracking those down before they disappear or go up extra in price. I also want to let everybody know that we are a daily YouTube channel. We have been talking comics on this channel for five years. We have 1,500 videos for you to go through in our archives. You can go to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel and search. The little uh, search box has the magnifying glass in it. Look for your favorite artists. Look for your favorite comics. We probably already covered them or something close to them. So check it out. But today's topic of conversation, Paul Pope's Escapo. And uh, this is a fascinating piece because it's been published in many different forms over the years, but the very first edition was self-published by Paul Pope. And you see it here on your screen. It's a big oversize. This is a standard size comic book here. And you can see that the THB much, much bigger. This is a treasury size type book, a very awesome piece if you're into artwork. I remember picking this up in the late 90s, or early 2000s, right. and just being awed by the size, if nothing else, because it's also, I don't know, 100 pages or so. Yeah, just substantial. Just, yeah, just like his THBs, which would be these these uh, saddle-stitched, super, super thick comics. Love that he puts the dates, right? So that we, we see how long it took him to, to, to draw these pieces. And certainly in the in the 90s, when this shit was coming out, uh, there were no books like this, over oversized in this way. And like this was not an easy book to find if a store even had it in stock because you would have to go to like, you know, the, the weird oddity sized pieces and, uh, a Phantom of the Attic two stores ago where that section was, was right underneath a water pipe. Uh Oh, so, uh, so, uh, the, the pipe burst, uh, gets pretty cold here, here in the state, here in the Berg. And, uh, the water kind of, uh, secreted all over this one that I bought as a kid. Uh, because I was able to get it for a dollar uh, at, at, at that point. But, uh, you know, all this like water damage doesn't bug me. Freaking coveted this comic. I found Pope, and I was getting them from Phantom of the Attic as well. And uh, it was, one, very lucky that they would have this stuff. Because I, it's, I don't see it elsewhere, and especially now. But I had never seen anything like it. He was inking with a brush when nobody was. But he was also self-publishing in these formats that nobody was really using. And... I loved it. It feels good in your hand. It's almost like this giant magazine, uh, you know, people that remember magazines from the 90s kind of has that heft to it. Yeah. And it just felt different. It felt, you know, we, we say a couple of these artists, it's almost like the, the artwork is cool. And yeah. this had that quality. You know, this did not feel like an issue of Spider-Man. It felt like, oh, this is something out of art school. This yeah. is something, an expensive magazine. You know, it felt different. There's there's several kinds of, of cool when I when I talk about like the pathologically cool cartoonists. There, there is the Jamie Hewlett kind where it's this kind of bombast uh, and, and other hype. It's hyperbole. Mm -hmm. This is like elegant cool. This is like sophisticated cool. And the brush that he employs that I think really, really, really inspired the, you know, the very next generation uh, it was this courage to be thick with it, you know, to like allow these very, very bold lines uh, and very clear like brush strokes 
uh, let them get seen. Yeah, and he would draw this kind of like technical stuff with it. Things that you would expect to be maybe a tech pen and a French curve or a ruler. And he's drawing it in these freehand brush lines. Mm -hmm. Just very bizarre. But you see him playing with things like logos, lettering, just a lot of stuff that wasn't being done in anything that I saw at the time. Totally. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the books that we make. Uh, out now. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. Thank you guys so much for supporting it. And if you did not, we still have some copies available. Uh, there are two rounds of Red Room that are out there. Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Crypto Killers, the third in the set, is coming out in 2024 in January. And uh, X-Men Grand Design Trilogy Trade Paperback is coming to you in November. Another thing that's coming to you in November is the Street Angel Princess of Poverty collection that uh, is the companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Jimmy's been self-publishing over the course of uh, this past year, the BW Zine 1986 Zine and True Crime Funnies. And of course, Hulk Grand Design is out there on the stands, but uh, not for long. Now that we are done paying the bills, back to the video. His designer for Escapo is uh, Cal Rambler. And it says book designed by Paul Pope and Cal Rambler. I don't know that guy, but I guess he's from Pittsburgh. I read it in one of these books, probably, I guess probably maybe the giant THB parade issue, but I mentioned that because we found these in Pittsburgh and I think that there was some connection between his early self-publishing in Pittsburgh and it may have been a designer that he was working with on some of the projects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the shops have relationships with, uh, with Paul Pope, uh, specifically Phantom, which I, is where I got, got this, this material. Yeah, so I'm going to flip through this kind of quickly because there are other pieces. You can see the table of contents here. There it's are some other uh, elements in all my, of these books. Yeah, it's my first uh, Jay Stevens. And, and, you know, Paul Pope is iconoclast. Right. Uh, one of these books, and I, I'm confusing which one I read which, but, like, credits the photographer. There's a couple photographers that shoot him between these two editions. Uh, but it was something, again, that nobody else is really doing, and it made comics feel very different than, like, up to this point, it would have been Wizard Magazine that represented comics, so, like, Extreme Studios, and you sort of saw a toy collector video game, yeah. um, Arrested Development type. This was different. This was, like, rock and roll and cigarettes and, you know, beatniks or something. Z like, zine culture. Like, there would be... The those esoteric weird magazines that you would get at Ides or whatever, and it would have the, the same kind of uh, approach. Desktop publishing, uh, bringing in photography, lo-fi, um, showing the kind of a bohemian kind of scene. Look at this stuff. It, 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 some of this stuff for uh, the Kodansha? You got me. <laughs> you know, like, he would always load up with this stuff, and I don't know where it was from. You know, it was kind of, there was a mysterious element because I didn't know. It felt like you were getting pieces of things and pieces of a bigger story, and it looked cool, but what it was exactly, like, I didn't know. And not yeah. knowing, not being able to say exactly what it was, was kind of part of the, uh, you know, part of the interest for me. But he would always have, like, these text pages, too, which I would eat up. Like, I would get these books infrequently, not just Pope's, but any comic. And so if you had stuff like this, I was basically reading every page of the book whenever I would get a book. I'm just reading that one piece. It is for Super Trouble, Kodansha, translated by, uh, transcribed by Jeff Mason. Yeah, letters, pages. It just had a different look than, than comics of that time. This this stuff blew my mind because it was like, I was thinking of like um, Big Baby meets Carol Swain. Yeah, Carol Swain. I see a lot of that in here. And, you know, people watching at home, they probably may know Jay Stevens' work. It looks very different than Jay Stevens. It does. When they're the tandem, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're showing up in a different way. Just like uh, when Jay Stevens would fuck with, um, 
Would, would he do stuff with uh, Allred? Yeah, I yeah, think so. yeah. Like like that version of Jay Stevens is is different than you know his his own specific works. And again, dating it like you mentioned on the cover, there are dates, and then you get specific dates here from March seventeenth, ninety six to August second, ninety six. So not a long time to do this. And this work, as much as I liked his brushwork, at this size, it's like another level. Absolutely. You know, it reminds me of like a Kirby Treasury Edition. You know, get 2001 and just get lost in these pages that fill your vision when you're looking close. And there were qualities of that here. Yeah, it definitely was a, an illuminating piece to see just exactly how uh, bold these brush strokes are. To see that he just has the balls to just like lay it in, man. There's no aims guide to that. Revolutionary, right? Like, totally. Like now we, we see so much variety and everything that it's it's harder to pop. But back then, nobody was doing this kind of like freehand lettering with a brush. And then they all, and then they all did, you know, like, like there's that whole school of like the SVA kids who, uh, who adopted this flavor of artwork and reading, uh, Escapo together, like the both, ep both episodes, um, it, the, the storytelling of like what it is, is uh, very important to me because you had your indie comics. This really bridges a gap. Uh, you have your, your mainstream comics, your Marvel DCs. You have your indie comics, which at the time would be your eight balls and your hates and stuff like that. And neither of the two shall shall meet at this point. This is before Joey Cavalieri or Axel Alonso or any of those of Mark Chiarello were like bringing that independent talent to, to the mainstream. So this bridges the gap because you have a hyperbolic costume figure that we could call the superhero of, of the story. He's got a mask, like... Almost uh, be a Mr. Miracle story. Totally. But it's more a character piece because it's not like there's big payoffs. It actually doesn't go anywhere. You know, you're studying this character and, and you're sort of inside of his head. The the superhero fight scene is just him getting out of, uh, you know, the, the contraptions... Uh, it's a Peter Parker story where, like, he's he's disrespected by by his his alumni, and and all of that. But uh, this was a revolutionary type of comic for me to read at this exact point in time because it had the independent point of view, but it had some hyperbole, and we'll get there of of the superhero. Even stuff like having these clowns and like the rest of the circus troupe, it's almost a superhero team, even though they're not doing superhero exploits like you said but visually they do have that pop of like oh yeah i mean he even has a scar on his face and stuff sign him up for x-force great lettering yeah the lettering um i forget the guy's name who letters this but he's a i think he's from columbus did a book for image that was in a very kirby-esque style um yeah the name the name slips but but it's just on this it's like the word balloon lettering the tight right. lettering yeah just like the best of manga the sound effects of, and, and all of that um they they uh it's a part of the artwork so so pope has to be on the on the hook for that uh talking to him this weekend to tell him that we're going to do escapo uh when he when he goes to kodansha there's another cartoonist that he was like aware of that was doing kodansha stuff and he was hoping to meet he sent me a couple pages of that guy's work and you would think that it's paul pope doing doing manga they were kept separate. They had the same influences of, of um, like Hugo Pratt and Matodi and like like that crew, and they arrived at the same place on two yeah. separate hemispheres. That's wild. And uh, 
you know, Pope wanted to meet the guy because I think maybe that dude influenced some of his his panel stuff. But I linger here because it's wordless. Yeah, it's kind of neat. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, Pope was part of, I guess, Kadansha hired a few Westerners to do some manga or to try manga or whatever. I think Mazzucchelli was one of them. There was a handful of people. Yeah. And as far as I know, none of it ended up being published by no. them. But like Pope would float out a few pages here and there. So you would see bits of it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I was talking with the lawyer uh, that, this past week also. And he said that uh, two other guys, it was uh, Chaikin and Kyle Baker. And you know, Harris is break broker in the deal and shit. And Kodansha wanted to put uh, Howard Chaikin and Kyle Baker through manga training school, like, like to like school them on the ways to do that. And, and it's like, Kyle Baker was like, I'm making my comics the way I want them. And then I'm going to flip it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to invert it. And that's what, that's what you'll get. So they were pretty stiff. Wonder what all happened to the those comics. Like if all yeah. those guys did a bunch of pages and they were never published, at some point those rights probably revert back. Wouldn't that be a fascinating book to Absolutely. see like what a bunch of these dudes, master cartoonists, all of them, what do they do to try to do manga? Super trouble is is mythic. Yes. Because we know it exists, we know it's there, and, and we never got to see it. Yeah. You just see the little drips and drabs here and there. I would get enthralled with this kind of stuff where like if you look at his stairs, it's just these loose lines. Like like it he does it a lot where it's like, if you look very closely at the marks, they're just brush strokes. I'm they're just, not the detail of whatever the thing is describing, but then you look at it here and it's like, yeah, it, that's a trailer, that's steps. I'm gonna say it, man. I'll, I'll say it right now, dude. Like, and listen, you got books to pimp. Street Angel, Princess of Poverty. When, when you look at issue one, or maybe even issue two of uh, Street Angel, with, with is issue two cosmic? Mm -hmm. Those cityscapes have these big, bold brush lines and shit. Absolutely. You know, like, I would even look at the ground and try to figure out, like, what is this? Because it looks good to me, but it doesn't make sense to me to draw that. You know, just marks that would indicate, you know, bumps and, and rock and texture and stuff like that. I was definitely hooked on this stuff. where There wasn't anything like it at that time, so I was one of those dudes that jumped on it and was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm using a brush. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to bring in some of these marks. Story here is that the escape artist likes the trapeze artist. <laughs> right. And, and uh... You know, as you said, like the other car carnival guys are sort of hard on the escape artist. His face is scarred up. You know, he's kind of a, he he's not, come on, what girl would love, love you? And you get the sense of intense jealousy just from what Escape was able to do. Like he, he's got to be the main attraction and he's got to steal all the heat from everybody. And they're salty about it. Yes. You know, they, the, it's, it's a difference between like, I don't know, a good rock musician. And then you have like Kiss and they have to fucking at age 80, still put on makeup and stuff right. like that. You're kind of salty. He also, Pope, does this thing where like, he makes figures wide, like they'll fit spaces on a page or in a panel that doesn't make sense to me until I see him do it. And then I go, oh yeah, it looks cool. But it's it's weird, like he exaggerates a lot, but it usually works pretty well. Hey, this guy, this guy looks familiar. <laughs> and it is Paul Pope casting himself as uh, the sort of, uh, the third in the love triangle. Yeah, almost Stardust in the costume coming in. Totally, and and I, like I th I think that that's like a funny approach, man, because it's like, he, first in the, in the '90s, ha handsome dude like Popo could be a model, and yes. and, and, it, and it's very odd for a cartoonist to to be you know to be like a Calvin Klein looking motherfucker. Opposite personality of a Chris Ware, by the way. Like once you start reading the Paul Pope interviews, it's like totally different uh-huh you know it's a different way you could make com be a comic book artist but like inserting himself 
it into the role of like Lothario, handsome, getting the puss. That's the opposite of like the self-effacing, self-caricatures that all the other cartoonists would be putting into their shit. Yeah, 100%. Look at that contraption. Reminds me of uh, filmmakers, though, you know, that'll do a cameo. They may not put themselves in as like the the, the romantic lead or, or love interest or whatever, but it's still almost like you put yourself on the page because why not? Yeah. You know, like these other, these other artists have done it. Doesn't that feel just so perfectly balanced and solid and, and rooted on the picture plane? It does. And it also has that quality of like carnivore traveling fair stuff where it kind of feels like this leg could break, <laughs> right? you know, it could top like, like you see rivets. Yeah. Like, like maybe this thing is leaking. I think this is a water trap. So maybe, uh, you can imagine like there's probably some wet some, spots some, on the underside, some patina, <laughs> yes. a little patina all over it. Yeah, it has a lot of age, which is some of those marks, you know, like I'd look at those marks and try to figure out like, what are we describing? And it's almost age. It's, it's yeah. banged up. You know, you're packing this up and moving it to the next town 150 times. We're seeing, we're seeing it at all different angles too. It, it has, it has that, that so vinyl toy feel to it like why why doesn't that that's toy exist piece. yeah that's 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 a good call because again pope struck me as a guy who was looking at a lot of stuff that the rest of us weren't looking at yeah totally at the beginning of this uh thb uh let's see where is it uh dedicated to the memories of hugo pratt and attilo uh micheluzzi so we know hugo pratt is is a uh is a cartoonist and maybe uh, Attilo is as well. Maybe, although considering Pope, it could be a musician, a writer, mm -hmm. a filmmaker, a photographer, a painter, right. <laughs> who knows? A sculptor, you know, a toy maker. It could, it could be any anybody, a fashion person. Yeah, definitely a guy who was bringing a lot of different stuff to these pages. And over the years, it becomes less alien. But at this stage, it was like, no comic book looked anything like this. And I love the stuff of escapo in water being yeah. weighed down but like weightless very superhero like you mentioned yeah this is the climactic scene and and that water is like that's like gray water you know that's 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 been stagnant for it's a little while looking you see the blotches and stuff and the the deal was he's waiting for the girl to come out and she was supposed to wear something to signal like if she was into him or whatever and uh he's despondent at first and then you know she's not worth it and frees himself yeah, yeah he's going to let, allow himself to die and then, and then she's almost sad that, well, the cool thing is it's, it's ambiguous, right? It could be like a relief that he, that he made it, but with that, with a furrowed brow, it could be like, fuck, I, my life would have been so much simpler. Yeah. So you read this whenever you're uh late teens, early twenties and you know, not in some long-term happy relationship, you're not living happily ever after at the time. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, he doesn't dip into sentimentality with her, you know, like right. we're not going to get some kind of sappy bullshit like it works pretty well as a story and that's the end of this first version right so i i wanted to give that as a uh i don't know a setup because we're going to look at the rest of what he adds but a thb backup story and you see some kirby <laughs> when he started talking about kirby being an influence it was weird to me but in hindsight like you see it yeah you see it in in the aesthetics and stuff like that but like it's funny to call it a backup feature because it's at least a, an issue length oh yeah <laughs> And look at that, man. Fantastic. Two-page spread of a punch in a non-Kirby way. I just love this stuff. And again, the scale had a lot to do with it. You know, he, it definitely didn't hurt. He, uh, I was talking to him this past week. He said that, you know, he, he got all the pages back and, you know, for, he just had them, you know, in storage or whatever, uh, sc scanning them with the, the wishes and the hopes of like an artist edition type, type joint. And he's like, I just don't think that, um, 
people would publish a, a because the art is very big. It's, yeah. And I'm like, is it bigger than the twice up Kirby? Right. It's it's got to be eighteen by twenty four. Right? Yeah. I think like, like those Silver Age. Yeah. So like. Or Golden Age. Publishers, yeah. let's get on that. You know, like, uh, and we will promote it heavily. Like, we, let's get together the Escapo Artist Edition, and and we will, uh, we will do everything we can to help you sell it. So. Pope self-publishes this, Squarebound. This is a book. It's for the book trade. Makes you wonder, like, what he would do with stuff like this now. Like, this would be monster. If, if you know, this is this is a book. Like, you could sell it through bookstores. When when I, like, when we were chatting, and he's got some plans with stuff, and, you know, his the the works that sort of put him on the map have been out of print for fifteen years at least. So, three generations of cartoonists have have grown up in comics not having easy access to this hard to find i think that he like these books come back like a thb reprint comes in which may might be happening uh i think he will influence a whole new generation yeah i really do especially in this modern day procreate cintiq tablet universe where everything is so pristine i think this sets itself apart so much from the typical modern day aesthetic that it's going to be jarring to kids and it's going to be incredibly influential all over again yeah i think you're right look at the uh how much he's putting down there for his pencils and then how much he's actually drawing in the ink yeah you know it's it's really uh i hate to say basic but i mean it's 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 the simple stuff right get get some form you and then you can go go with it you know another piece that that was uh important for me to see and i've never seen this i've never seen this book like i seen it you know as a wall book i got sucked in because i loved the cover when this came out and it was yeah. like yeah that's yeah. beautiful I, it's just man i was so broke i was such a broke kid um but i like that he was not bound by perspective and t squares and all of that it, it just yeah i loved it, it felt so much more human i was um looking at the color here if you look at like the red and yellow for the flame you can see it's almost like his his ink strokes like the red right. paint parts what does that even mean you know because this is flat color i was thinking these were like those color things that like like clouds would sometimes yeah, cut for like a cover zip, or something but then down here you're almost painting on here um, I lingered here because I wanted to say, like, dates again are shown. So 31796, whenever the original date in the in the giant THB parade, 102798. So we're going to get, like, half of a, you know, double the length of the story is what he creates new for this. And I was um, hadn't looked at this in 15 years whenever I, I pulled it off the rack or off the shelf. And I was looking and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, the straight yellow page, 100% magenta printing is a one-color print job. I think this stuff was big on uh, Aphrodisiac for me. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. This entire aesthetic really, really is indicative of that w desktop publishing weird magazines of the yep. 90s. I have stacks of yep. these odd-shaped mags that, or, and, 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 you know, it would have the layouts in this way. When, when people got control and, and they could lay things out as they wished, this is a whole 90s aesthetic. Yeah, 100% through and through. The lines, like all these things that you could easily do now as opposed to like trying to spec that out for the person who's going to typeset it. It just opened up like, oh, let's play around with this. Yeah. And I would be so attracted to this because like you didn't see it before the 90s. You know, this is totally like this kind of, yeah, put a put a four-point line around there. Just all this stuff just shows up almost overnight. Like this kind of drawing, just these weird, make it look cool, you know, add something in there. And again... Get some get some photos. Get those rock star photographers out there. 
Paul Pope, the escape artist of postmodernism. There it is, dude. Cave Haven himself, dude. This is an after mag. Lest we forget, this is an after mag, and uh, it is. You get to be, you get to be the hero of your story. You could you could sell yourself how you wish. Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel. You did. Exactly. I pulled so much from this dude. Like the um, the issues of of Hip Hop Family Tree up in the corner box. It's Eddie P standing there with a shirt that says Enemy. Now we're coloring an old story as yeah. part of your reprint here. And it, again, even a graphic novel, we're going to get like these other bits of story around it. That's the thing. This is not the first, uh, you know, perfect bound book he put together. He, he cut his teeth with like Stan Tatulo mm -hmm. and that um, Ballad of Dr. Richardson. Like he's, he's done big, big books before. Yeah. This is, and, and here they are, are all listed. There it you is. Know? So right again, there. pretty smart. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you get the color pieces, let you know that homeboy got a couple of dollars to to invest yeah all right so you guys we just went through the first version of escapo we're not going to see that for several pages the new part of escapo is like chapter one and two you know like it's all precedes what we just saw and uh how about this for a pretty bold opening because this is one of the most controversial images from 80s comics totally man pa pass me mine real quick yeah, you know what? Keep up in the color section, Ed, because I do want to bounce back and forth between the colors and the black and whites. I feel like that page should be seen in color. Let me get to that real quick. Lest we forget what, what, what you're actually looking at there, man. Look at the red teeth on, or the, the gums. gums. The... And he describes it as his first escape. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, like it's it's an image of, of childbirth and uh, the con controversy of the image of childbirth, like with uh, Miracle Man comics. And then they, uh, there might've been a couple of others. Uh, they, I think Grendel did it later, uh, but you know, like that, that was a controversial piece and you know, build it in. Yeah, absolutely. Here you get a couple more dates of the drawing times here. Interesting in like, they're almost sessions, right? Like from February to April, he draws some of this and then from uh, July until September, he draws some of this. Right. Or October, rather. Number 10. 10 is October, right? Hamburger. <laughs> and it's it's cool. The stuff that's added is much more focused on the escape artist doing his stuff. You get, like, diagrams of some of the wild traps and things that are built. And I have to keep going back to Mr. Miracle because I feel like that was something that we would see in Mr. Miracle is like the building of the elaborate escape traps. Right. And his lettering, once again, like this kind of lettering stood out to me because I didn't see it anywhere else. It's almost something that I would see in manga later, like the little notes, the little doodles, the little bits of extra, you know, that might be in a margin or in a corner of a panel or something. Right. But being able to just like, let's put, I'm just letter here, you know, it's almost maybe the equivalent of, I don't know, like a caption in the old days, but looks a lot cooler than a typical caption to me. Man, I like that, that cage. I've been drawing still cages. Right. <laughs> I wish I would have looked at this before I finished, finished drawing them this week. <laughs> All these, uh, just blades and, and, you know, basically grinding up reminds me of the videos where you see people dump like a refrigerator into that thing. And I it's love just that chewed thing. Up. I love that thing with a little teeth on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good cage. It really feels like you're stuck in there as opposed to a finer line, which, you know, is a pattern, but doesn't feel like 
a closed in space, claustrophobic. Here's another part that, that really makes uh, this, this, this comic work is that Escapo is not an established character and it always feels ominous. It never feels like, and there are even times like uh, on the previous, see, those are the things that we see, um, where it looks like he's actually caught in shit. Yeah. Like, it looks like his leg is caught and it's it's spitting up blood and stuff, but it's like, just like, I don't know, a little fabric matter or something. So uh, this works in a way that um, Mr. Miracle uh, cannot work because we just know Mr. Miracle is always going to be fine. He's always going to get out of it. Uh, there's that sameness to it, but... This this guy's very existential, and it always feels like he could go go in one direction or the other. In a weird way, this is a great audition to do superhero comics because you see him doing foreshortening. Great hands were always impressive, and he's landing in this machinery in awkward positions where legs are twisting around and stuff. Great foreshortening on this arm reaching out to try to try to get to this escape hatch. Totally, like the balance of these legs is just exquisite. What's interesting in, in yours versus mine is that uh, is that um, the story that we're looking at here, which is the first part, it's the second part of, of, of my my escape book. Oh, interesting. I wonder if there's a new section for the first one or if it's going to be that this story is out of order in that uh, in that reprint. Right. It's a, yeah, it's it's a it's out of order. Like uh, the giant THB is story one. Interesting. And so like what huh. we're looking at is, is story two. That's so bizarre. Like, that's a major change. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They're two pretty separate pieces. They are very separate. And in some ways, like, you could probably read them independently or in whatever order. I love whenever, like, the underwater stuff is all distorted, you know? Yes. So, like, the above skeleton is small, and then underneath it's this giant figure. Same with when we see Escapo's legs, huge, but smaller on top. Fantastic level of thought. Great for visuals, you know, because that's what you're trying to do here. I don't care if it's authentic no. looking. I don't need a photograph of what it looks like underwater versus above. Go take I want something picture. that looks good. Totally. And it's a guy basically in a tank of water. Like, how are you going to make that exciting? You know, you need to pull out every trick you can think of. Go back one real quick. And what he's encountering is death in the middle of this right. escape attempt. It, it, it feels golden age. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a golden age kind of skeleton. But uh, there's... You know, it's way more easy to see in the color, like how manga that feels. Yeah. The, the way that they allow those big eyes to be colored and stuff. But yeah, the manga influence that he has in his work was something that really stood out at the time. Like these are some of the extreme examples of like that skeleton above and below water, the skull being completely distorted. Great, great idea for visual. What a brush slinger, dude. What a freaking brush slinger, the things that he's able to do to keep, to maintain that picture plane with that debris. You mentioned the, the, the dirt texture before, but you, you could, you could fuck this up oh, a million so ways. much. If one of those lines was out of place, it would, it would, it would obliterate your entire perspective of how that ground is supposed to be laid out and you could destroy your drawing. Look at the marks that he puts on too. Like how thick is that brush where you're just like, you know, like just pressing that brush on there almost violently. And then you get the little bit of reflection in your wet surface. He's twisted up when he lands. Like it's just all great details. Yeah. And it is, you know, to your point, it is like the storyteller thing. It's the thing that you'd see in film where it's like, oh, that guy really thought of all these, all these little ways that you could express whatever the story is. I feel like Pope has a lot of that on display in Escapo. Even wandering back to his... You know, from from center center ring all the way back to his quarters, still 
one shoe. I didn't realize the one shoe thing, and now I think about Street Angel losing uh, her shoe, and it's like, it'd be the worst geez, thing ever, dude. You did, I, did I just copy? Did I really copy that from this? I don't know. Oh, oh, that happens. Yeah, she in issue one. She loses a shoe in a fight, and I just did not remember this, and, and now seeing it, it's like, uh oh. Listen, man, you just can't escape it, and 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 like I like I like I wasn't gonna like. The influence is clear, but it's clear with Farrell, Becky Cloonan, Nathan Fox, like that whole group of, of cartoonists from that era had that thick dabby brush, man. Story-wise, he has made a deal. He made a deal with death, basically. Let me out of this and then, uh, you know, you can claim me at whatever. Seems like a one-sided deal. But the result is he's lost his nerve. Like right. he's canceling appearances and stuff to the point that it's like, dude, you may get kicked out of the carnival. Like if you're not working five times a month, it's not cost effective to feed you. Right. Looks good out of costume too. Like just some kind of kind of bloke. It's a good face. Wonder if it's somebody that he knew that he patterned the uh, character design after. It's, it's he, real smart, man. To give him that interesting kind of pug face. You know, you can look at his friend and it's a very different face. Also another good one, a very character actor face. Yeah. Everybody's hair is always messed up. Great mask. So they decide they're going to do an easier Okay, go, escape. Go, go back one. So this is interesting. Um, yeah, so we got that same page. Yeah. And then we jump to the mask page. So, so that... Yeah, so this is the page that's next in yours. Yeah. So this is like a unique one. Let me let me see if it gets paced out in a different way if it's just completely omitted. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think I don't have that. But like it, all that stuff is like kind of in the back. It's interesting to think of um, you know you're putting together the book and you're like you know works better without this page without these couple of panels. It's a tr total example of kill your darlings. You know that might have taken him a whole weekend to draw that page. You know you just you just don't even know and and uh, the the book is the thing. So if you determine you know, in your heart of hearts that it's better to go this way than that two days worth of work gets taken out. Tremendous lettering as part of the storytelling. You know, so much motion in there for this like whirling bladed death trap. Yeah, it's another manga. And uh, the lettering stroke. really, uh, really helps sell that. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's, a, it's another manga stroke. And you know what, man? Uh, uh, that, go back one. I don't think I got that motherfucker neither, man. That's all the way back to this page. Oh, oh, it's okay. Okay, it's, things are out of order a little bit on my joint. That's interesting. interesting. Kind of like it, you know. If you're gonna do new editions, like fix whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Try to do the best version of it that you think you can do. Yeah, just just real quick, go back, go back one more. I promise, I'm not trying to be annoying. Um, okay. Okay, cool. Like, I, I thought that there was maybe a different panel that was inserted, but no. It's funny, too. Like, I'm looking at your book off screen, and I'm looking at this book, and Pope's spinning us around as right. he's going through <laughs> these death traps. So now he's upside down. I'm like, wait, is my book upside down? What, hold on a second. It's so weird. Again, a great visual con uh, subject matter for a comic, because, like, we are spinning around on the page. Like, there's so much excitement here for a non-fight scene. That super hard angle to draw of a face that, you know, that's the Otomo. That's, that's the old man from Domu looking down before the little girl bl blows his head up, makes him blow a gasket. This is the death coin from the deal that he made. And he's like, not going to die today. Flips the coin away. Nah. Frees himself from the trap. 
really great. This is a real interesting set of marks. Like I don't I don't quite quite understand. Is that motion? I think it's supposed to be motion. Yeah. He's moving around so much along the way. I do love these textures. It's a good chance to show off his line work. That feels that feels like netting. Uh, you, you feel the tension uh, of his feet standing on that netting. It feels uh, like there's not much integrity to that netting. Like it feels that feels dangerous. Like it could just start to snap apart at any point. And now we see our trapeze artist, which is like the very beginning of the first telling of this story. Yeah, how about that weird computer lettering stuff? Typeset. Yeah, like the only place that, that, that that's happened. So far. Yeah, that's that's a fill-in page. I, or I mean, by that I mean it's a new page that's added here. Uh-huh. Because here we go with the stuff that was actually in the giant THB parade that we looked at first. You know, that's the, your exact opening page for the story there. Right. The screen tones are something that are only on a couple of those pages. Right. And now we're back to the story that was in Giant THB Parade. Yes. And I don't think there's any major changes to this version, uh, at least not that I remember. So let's jump to the Z2 real fast, man. Uh, here, here that is. And then we could just kind of breeze through the bonus materials here that made that kind of make this this volume uh, worth, worth your while. Some interesting stuff, too, if you're going to, again, do another edition. Um, this kind of like texture ripped up old poster look. I don't hate it. It's I a vibe. It's kind of neat. As the kids say, look at how how uh, cool this is, man. So wow. so this is the entire piece of Zipatone that he puts down, just so that he could have you know rips off like all the dots except a couple very sporadic ones. That's unbelievable. And then and then what does that do? It creates like the texture that happens when you have like a high contrast or like a Xerox of a Xerox. So he's like almost approximating the noise that would be on a Xerox, but using it with actual dots. Like that's the zine parts that, 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 that he's bringing to THB. Yeah, that his use of texture and like finding texture in these different ways, it stood out a lot to me at this time. Cause this was a time of like um, digital color that was perfect. Yeah. And, and I found off-putting. It was too smooth. It was like plastic. That's great, man, seeing like the, the layouts. Notes. Yeah, so cool. Even the marker study is pretty cool. Like to think this is kind of your rough start that ends up here. Makes you want to go through a sketchbook. It really does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Look at this. This is important for enterprising uh, creators to see. Like uh, maybe you don't always go with your first instinct, you know. You do a do a couple of takes, and see what what works best for you. I think you might have went with this piece. Boy, almost uh, Kurtzman. Yeah. In simplicity. Absolutely. Just like, get the form down. Just yeah. looking at the composition. It's quickly. all there. Marker, maybe. I think that's a marker drawing. Yeah, it looks like it, right? With a yeah. little flare. I think he was messing with all that stuff, all the Toth stuff, you know, the like flare pens too. and things. Let's put a little color on it, see which color I like. And then some pinups as your bonus material. Straight from Planetary. <laughs> Sam Heady, a guy that clearly was uh, influenced by, by Pope. Yeah, yeah, he's totally part of that thick brush school. Shea Plummer, was that is that the colorist on this edition? I think so. James Owen, this is um, Star Child. Yeah. Which would have they would have been self-publishing at the same in, time in the nineties. 
That's interesting. Probably an old friend or something, an old acquaintance. One of those things in the trenches, in the foxhole, and playing the self-publishing game. Chris Hunt, David Rubin, Dean Haspiel. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Kind of a poster version. Costas Ceramidas. Boy, I'm sure I butchered that. Don't recognize that name. Hmm. That's more a THB piece, I feel like. Yoko Shimizu. And then some notes. Love this. Yeah. And talk Jarry about the brushes tools. and stuff. I was using synthetic brushes for a while and then graduated to the Windsor. And then talks about the artwork, how like some of the color kind of like lost its integrity over time and the reasons for the recolor. Like these kinds of marks, I think he brings that to comics. Yeah. I'm not sure who else was doing that. Yeah, you might could, find some in like an art world, like drawing, painting kind of it, thing. But... It could be an evolution of, of uh, the Sienkiewicz stuff. But I mean, this dude, yeah. he, he's, he's pulling from a lot. He's from that Columbus pedigree. You know, it's a good comics making town. Uh, the Billy Ireland cartoon art library existed in his day. I know Lucy Caswell is an important figure, figure in his life. So he has access uh, to all that stuff. Dude, what, I, like I got to stay in Columbus for three weeks. I spent seven days of those three weeks from from the second Billy Ireland opened to the point that it closed. Uh, each of those seven days, man, for like I was there nine hours going through artwork. And that it was at his fingertips yeah. for years and years and years. Uh, and, you know, that's mostly American stuff. But the questions that we ask him in a shoot interview are like, where do you find these Italian comics and all this other stuff? Does it start with that World Encyclopedia of Comics? Or, or, or what's that Maurice Horn book called? Yeah. It's yeah. the World Encyclopedia of Comics. Does it start there and then you hunt this stuff down? Uh, Columbus is a good comic book town in terms of stores. You know, places like Laughing Ogre and, um, you know, a couple other joints like that. Like, uh, you could find any kinds of comics there pr pretty much. Uh, just a very unique pedigree. And uh, I feel like this episode is a long time coming. Yes. Good to go? I am. Okay, Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. We are a daily YouTube channel with more than 1,500 videos at your disposal. We might have talked about some of your favorites. So search for your favorite uh, comics on the front page of the Kayfabe YouTube channel. Hit the magnifying glass, search for your favorites, check out those episodes. If we did not talk about your favorite comics, you have to let us know in the comments so that we can push your faves a little bit higher up on our uh, two read piles and make those uh, episodes for you as soon as possible. The Patreon exists for the King Kayfabers to get all of the videos before anybody else does. Uh, it mitigates the Kayfabe effect. The things that we talk about on this channel, things like uh, the, you know, the Escapo trade paperback, whatever, uh, they become very expensive if you can even find them online at all. And it's always the King Kayfabers who get earliest dibs at those copies by getting the fully produced videos, plus the live stream recording sessions that we do while we produce the videos. Ultimately though, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. Before You is a good smattering of uh, our bibliography. But we uh, make new comics all the time. So, Jimmy, let the people know what you got. I've been self-publishing lately. I have True Crime Funnies, a collection of three short nonfiction stories. 1986 zine is a celebration of the greatest year in comics history, 1986, looking at everything from Dark Knight to Mouse to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their many rip-offs. And the BW zine, 
looking at the black and white explosion self-publishing and small press books of the 1980s these are all available right now on my website jimrug.com coming up in november i will have a new volume of street angel street angel princess of poverty will be out from image comics at the end of november you can pre-order or reserve that one now it is a companion piece to street angel deadliest girl alive also available from image comics together these two books will collect all of my street angel comics that i have created so far and finally hulk grand design my contribution to the grand design stories one of the books i'm most proud of making this thing is out of print at the distro level which means if it's at your comic shop scoop it up because it is going to disappear and be hard to replace prices are already going up online for these so if you haven't added hulk grand design to your collection yet do that now the hip-hop family tree omnibus is out there in full effect thank you guys so much for supporting it if you did and if you have not yet, uh, right at this moment at least, uh, there's there's some steep discounts online that you could find if you don't have a good comic shop in town. 504 pages with about 140 plus pages of additional material. Uh, it's going to serve all customers. The, the people who uh, read Hip Hop Family Tree in the past, you're getting a lot more material to, uh, to chew on. And if you've never seen Hip Hop Family Tree before, like now is the time. Or generating new readership with this uh, latest Hip Hop Family Tree omnibus. Let's sell it out before uh, 2023 closes out the calendar year. I think that's a noble goal, and, and we're uh, more than 75% of the way toward that goal. Not the only holiday piece I'm having uh, come out in 2023. There's going to be an X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback uh, coming to you. It's going to include all of my X-Men Grand Design works uh, in one handy uh, package. It's going to be the size of a comic. It's going to be smaller than the Hip Hop Family Tree size big books, but uh, that is coming to you in November. Red Room has been the focus for the past couple of years. There are two trade paperbacks out right now, uh, the Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Third's going to come to you in January. It's called Crypto Killers. And uh, right now, I am serializing my daily strip uh, exclusively to my Patreon. Uh, it's going to—it's called Switchblade Shorties. It's going to be coming out January 1st, 2024. But you could uh, get a leg up and, and uh, check out those comics before they see the light of day to Gen Pop. Plus, I uh, do streams every now and then here on the kayfabe channel producing new uh new comic pages and new new strips for that series so thank you guys who have been uh, supporting that let's keep that rocking uh the books are the absolute most important part of uh keeping cartoonist kayfabe sustainable uh to the point where jimmy and i could uh, collaborate and put these videos together uh, there are, however, some other ways to support uh, the channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All good ways to support the channel. Give them some marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.